And welcome to the Dead TV Podcast, podcast dedicated to all the canceled television shows in the horror, science fiction, and fantasy genre, as well as comic books and anime sometimes. And I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I am Mr. Seneca. And we are continuing our coverage of Spawn, the animated series, with the ending of Season 1, as these seasons are about six episodes apiece. We are dividing them up into two-week podcasts at a time. <coughs> Excuse me. And we begin with Spawn Episode 4. All right. Uh, episode 4 is called Dominoes. Originally aired on June 6th, 1997. While Wanda tries to find out who is protecting Killer, Spawn comes to the attention of CIA Chief Wynn. That is a badly written IMDb description, whoever wrote that IMDb, because Chief Wynn uh, probably should be a little bit Protecting a killer, most likely Billy Kincaid. Yeah, yeah. And, and on the actual discs themselves, there's a little bit better of a synopsis for each episode, uh, but I didn't take the time to write those down because I thought IMDb would be much better than that, but yeah. It's not a very good description. Uh, the episode opens with Spawn contemplating his life and blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, we got the point. You miss Wanda, 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 Wanda. That's going to be the big obsession of Spawn through the entire series is Wanda! Well, yeah. That, that, Wanda! That's his whole story, you know. About half of these episodes, he's sulking in the alley. Yeah, basically. Um <laughs> And then uh, we meet a new character in the Spawn mythos, and I think this is pretty much the only time we ever see her. Uh, I don't think she has an appearance in Season 2, and I know for damn sure she's not in Season 3. She's actually replaced by another character they have to create. This is Angela, uh, voiced by Denise Poirier, who is a long list of IMDb animation credits, including Princess Mononoke, Ian Flux, Twilight of the Dark Master, um, and uh, many more. She was actually the voice of Ian Flux in the Ian Flux animated series. I actually recognized her voice from the Eon Flux series because I'm a huge fan of that. And uh, I was kind of surprised when I recognized it. But this is Angela. She's a warrior bounty hunter from heaven. Uh, the, uh, the, the earrings that she wears on her ears are from the medieval spawn who was... Um, as far as I'm aware, the last spawn that she actually killed, uh, they... I, don't remember her killing any other spawns between the medieval spawn and Al Simmons, obviously since Cagliastro is still alive, but don't quite know when Cagliastro was a spawn, um, if that was before or after the medieval spawn. But mm -hmm. uh, she first appeared in Spawn issue number nine and then had her own miniseries. Uh, within the context of the miniseries, her and Al fuck. <laughs> <laughs> she apparently is just like Deadpool's girlfriend and she likes the burnt to a crisp penis. And yeah. then she is killed by the Malbosia in Spawn number, I think, 100. She is cleaved in half. And the reason oh why God. is because she was created by Neil Gaiman when Neil Gaiman wrote Spawn for a couple issues. And by the uh, original authority of Image Comics, any character that you create is yours. And there began a huge legal battle for the control of, of Angela to the point that they had to take her off the show. She's in the Spawn movie, too, by the way. She's in the crowd scene during the ball before Spawn crashes, does his Dark Knight crashing through the skylight scene. She's in a long green dress, uh, sorry, long green dress with, like, you know, very red hair, and she's got these Spawn uh, uh, earrings on her, again, as her trophy for killing the medieval Spawn. Uh, and they glisten in the scene, too, so you can see that it's her. She had to be taken off the table, unfortunately. Again, she was killed by the Malboja. 
uh, which is the demon that gave Spawn his uh, Al Simmons the Spawn costume and his powers. And mm-hmm. uh, she lived in limbo up until a storyline called The Age of Ultron. Not connected to the movie, but with the same type of uh, villain. At the end of The Age of Ultron, when Wolverine and Storm, uh, I'm sorry, Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman, were time traveling over and over and over and over again to the point that they were really fucking up the time in the Marvel Universe, it created a crack in the space time continuum and Angela appeared there was a big question of, like, holy shit, Angela's here. What does that mean? And she then first appeared in the Guardians of the Galaxy comic book series, and she would uh, hang out with them. Her costume, by the way, is basically, like, chainmail bikini, red Sonia, kind of hot. But in the Marvel comics, they gave her a little extra pieces of clothing here and there, but still basically in a bikini. Just uh, a tad. Just a tad. Like, she's got basically, like, a sports bra on kind of right now with, with chainmail over it instead of it mm-hmm. just being the chainmail bikini top. She now has, like, a sports bra with chainmail bikini over it. And she has, like, booty shorts instead of just panties. You know, just a, a couple square inches more of fabric uh, along the body. Not, you know, a breastplate or armor or anything that yeah. an actual hunter would wear. You know, something that may have saved her from the Malbogia cleaving her in half, basically. Yeah. You know, now, is Angela an angel? Because She is uh, an angel, yeah, because she takes a, a bounty hunter job to go kill go kill Al Simmons. Yeah, in, in the animated show, she was talking with Gabrielle, and those are all, you know, angelic names, so I was curious about that. Also, is it, since she was cleaved in half, in the mythos of angels, you usually have to rip out the heart. I think uh, her heart was. Not... I don't think she was cleaved in half from like uh, from head to sternum. I think she was like impaled through her body enough that it, it, she was almost cut in half. And Spawn brings her back to heaven, and the angel, uh, you know, Armada is waiting for him because he's a hell spawn entering heaven. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he's got a good thing going on with God, by the way, because in issue 32, um, he actually holds God captive, and God is this little old lady, and the angels are like, gee, oh my God, do you know? I mean, like, oh no, do you know who he has? Yes, you can't. Like, like you know, this vessel contains the power of God itself, and that yeah. God at the end is just like, it's okay, it's okay, Al Simmons was here to rescue his friend, and that shows a true sign of a hero. Don't worry, Al Simmons will be there for us when the time comes for the apocalypse, and sure enough, that apocalypse storyline did come and spawn, and I'm not going to get into it. Long story short <laughs> with Angela, during a storyline called, shit, I forgot the name of it, but it was a Marvel comic storyline where all these heroes had all these secrets revealed about themselves and one of the secrets that was revealed to uh, Thor is that he has a sister and Odin revealed to both Loki and Thor that there is a tenth realm and the tenth realm is heaven Aha. Okay. and he had a biological daughter he had an affair he cheated on his wife Freya God you know what a shocker a Viking king yeah. God uh, cheated on his wife so he cheated on his wife, Freya, who was played by Rene Russo in the Thor films, if anyone's not familiar with who she is. And he had a, uh, a daughter angel that was kidnapped by the angels to stop the war between Asgard and Heaven. And she was raised in Heaven by the angels, and uh, she became Angela. And she eventually found out she is the sister of Thor, the technical stepsister of Loki, because Loki's not really Thor's biological brother. Uh, uh, Loki's adopted. Yeah, Loki's adopted. She eventually killed Hela, who, if you know, was played by Kate Blanchett in Thor Ragnarok, and she took Mm -hmm. over as the ruler of Hell. And as of right now, I'm aware of, 
I think she's still the ruler of hell, but I'm not entirely sure, but she does hang out with the Guardians of the Galaxy, Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Groot, and Rocket uh, from time to time. She's a big ally of theirs. And she had kind of a thing, uh, a little wink-wink maybe thing going on with uh, Flash Thompson, the the current Venom at that time. Huh. She likes the uh, she likes the uh, the former soldiers of the United States military who happen to be uh, embodied with an alien symbiote parasite. You know, <laughs> which by the way brings up a whole bunch of really interesting little jokes about. There was a cartoon series. There's a hentai cartoon series which uh, there's a joke in spawns like why are all the warrior women why are all the warrior angels women in this anime hentai cartoon. The demons are the good guys, and the angels are the bad guys, and they're all Futanaris, and they uh, trap demons in heaven to, uh, you know, do uh, rape them, basically. As you will. It, it is anime. As you will, as it is hentai, yes. So back to small <laughs> the animated series, but I wanted to get that whole thing with Angela out of the way because she never, I don't think she appears anymore after this point. She's replaced by season three with a character called Jade, which they had to create because of the whole legal battle I've already explained so yeah. moving on I do love the line beaver treat as disgusting <laughs> as that sounds well and these two sexual predators that are basically following her you know she's she's showing interest in them and going into an alley to hopefully you know do something you know but basically rape know, her yeah, yeah, and, and uh, one of them takes out a knife and starts threatening, and it's like, well, you would have a willing participant, it seems, that you would have a willing participant, and you wouldn't need the knife, even if she were just interested in them for a quick screw, they would be basically blowing their chances, and then they would have to resort to forcing. But she had other things in mind. I love the line that she says, good hunting is where you find it. So I'm I'm very pleased that she hunted these two uh, sexual predators, and I believe killed one of them. Yeah, she de- it definitely looks like she, uh, she she killed one of them. Yeah, the other one was you know writhing there on the ground, so I marked him as still alive. But um, I, I I would like to think that she just finished the job off camera. Mm. Um, but yeah, big disappointment. We never could see Angela again after this point, as far as I can remember. But We'll get to season three in about sorry season two in about two weeks. But I definitely know in season three she's replaced by a Asian American uh, angel called Jade. And then there was like a character called Tiffany, which I think was in the comic books at one point. And I, I think she was just an excuse for Tom McFarlane to sell uh, a chainmail bikini toy of Angela. The original Angela toy, by the way, when it was when it was made, was accidentally made without a uh, painted on panty line underneath her shawl. So it looked oh. like she was going uh, full um, commando. Full commando in the toy. So that toy actually priced at a very high aftermarket resale value for a long time. I don't know if it still does or not, but the uh, the to- the Angela toy I have does have the panties painted on her nether regions. Mm, so you got the second run. I got the second run pa- uh, uh, panty clad Angela toy. Yes, as it should be. <laughs> Whether or not you collect the toys or is either here or there, because the Spawn toys is a whole other conversation. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure I could dig up somewhere a picture uh, that's spread over 4chan or whatnot of an Angela doll with some extra goo in the image. Ew. Rule 34. Yeah. <laughs> Wanda meets at the park with a guy who looks like, who, with a PI named Max who looks like Jack the King Kirby. 
It totally and, does. And I'm sure that is not a uh, not a coincidence, considering how much uh, Todd McFarlane loved Jack Kirby and dedicates uh, a couple issues of Spawn here and there to the legendary King of Comics. As two years after Spawn was created, uh, Jack Kirby lost his battle with cancer. Yeah. Spawn, Rest in peace. <laughs> Spawn stops the follower of the... Um, the uh, the the guy following uh, Wanda and the police show up, show up so fast afterwards. Yeah, yeah, it, it's um, the photographer, which is actually a House photographer from the government, so like the House of Representatives. He is following Wanda and Max, and basically just taking pictures of them exchanging information. Now, why they decided to exchange it in public this time? And then uh, later on in the episode, exchanged additional information, but inside her office, a question to me. But Spawn finds this photographer, and uh, since the photographer's been tailing them, and Spawn's been tailing Wanda, uh, he basically takes the photographer, rises him up into the branches of the trees, uh, threatens him, tries to get some information, and breaks his arm. And then before giving any out any information, the photographer just shoots himself. You know, suicide right underneath the tree there. Cops just swarm the area very fast. You don't, you don't see that type of reaction time. Not in New York. <laughs> no. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. After we uh, get more of, uh, what is it, uh, um, Terry looking into the guns that Spawn stole and mm-hmm. Chapel waiting in the shadows to uh, do Wynn's dirty work for him, as he did with Al years before, five years prior, uh, we switch over to our favorite uh, our favorite yeah. bromance couple, Sam and Twitch. Yeah, the bromance. Uh, so now, Twitch has been listening to all of these private conversations, uh, like hours and hours of, of conversations, and uh, he has stumbled onto... A twist in the plot that there is a cover-up and there's a child killer being covered up and um, all this evidence. And this is the evidence that the original reporter was actually killed for in the very first episode. So big reveal there. So Tony Twist then meets with Jason Wynn. Yes, uh, and he has uh, Chapel kill his uh, the two hookers he was sleeping with. Yeah. Yeah. Women are not treated very well on this show. Unless you're Wanda Blake, you're not treated very well on this show. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And, you know, performing a murder right there, uh, you know, it really gets the, the point across what you're really trying to go after. It's like, you know, I could have killed you too. Um, but Jason is delivering this box from Rome because in the very start of the episode, uh, a messenger, Tony Twist sent a messenger to Rome to basically apologize for Overkill's damage and promising to pay them and, and get Overkill completely back up to speed. Well, in this meeting, Jason gives him a box, and in the box is the messenger's head. And they were not pleased with the damage to Overkill. So they they were driving their point home as well. It costs a lot of money to hire a killer cyborg. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, how much do you think a killer cyborg would cost? Two billion dollars? Um, in 1994, it probably it probably costs a lot more now. 
Um, we're not talking like the 1970s when the six million dollar man was on TV. <laughs> yeah, six million would be a bargain these days. No, uh, that's why they have tried to remake the six million dollar man several times. I mean, they did that remake of the Bionic Woman a few years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh, that was canceled after one season, and hey, we might do that on the show someday. Uh, so by the way, speaking of canceled shows, did you see what I tagged you in on the Facebook page? Ash vs. the yes. Evil Dead was canceled. Oh my god, I totally want to do that show because I have been enjoying it. Yeah, we definitely got to give it a few, a little while uh, uh, to uh, give it a chance uh, to be off the air for a little while, and then maybe we'll circle back around to it at some point. There'll be like 30 episodes that we'll be doing too because every season was a... 10-episode, half-hour season. Well, we've got uh, the Friday the 13th series to continue to go through, so that'll keep us for a while. So maybe by that time we could get into some Ash versus Evil Dead, maybe? Yeah, and to speed through Friday the 13th, the TV series, we might um, be changing up the schedule a little bit as we still have two seasons worth of 25 episodes to go. We do this show like every other week. So there might be a possibility that Mr. Zeneca and I are going to be talking off air about possibly doing the Dead TV podcast uh, maybe three times out of the month instead of twice a month because uh, we got a long ways to go with Friday the 13th, and I kind of don't want to be on it until the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is the difficult part with doing a podcast only every other week. Yeah. Uh, just so, because we can only get through two episodes of Friday the 13th every show. Oh, and that's a lot of episodes. Yeah, so we might um, change it up and after Spawn the Animated Series is over, uh, get through Friday the 13th on a uh, little bit more regular basis than every two weeks to see if we can get through it. Because after Friday the 13th, I, again, I have stated several times I would love to do Witchblade the series. Yeah, that one I don't think has gotten a lot of play in the media. No, and it has no, I don't, can't find a lot of podcasts that have ever covered it other than like here and there. So and there is a mm-hmm. Witchblade podcast out there that covers the comic books, and there is a Witchblade comic book currently out on the shelves right now, which is fantastic. Uh, it is not Sarah Pizzini. It is uh, some new girl whose name is, currently escapes me, but uh, it's definitely out there by Image Comics. But uh, and it's in the realm of Spawn, too, considering that uh, Image Comics uh, publishes Spawn and Witchblade. Is that still a Top Cow production? It is a Top Cow production. Um, they do consider the Top Cow universe to be basically just a branch of the Image Comics universe. Um, there hasn't been a Witchblade um, Spawn crossover in quite some time, but there was a excellent miniseries called Medieval Spawn Witchblade. Hmm. And this was just prior to the events that Angela would would uh, kill the Medieval Spawn. Um, basically, just imagine Spawn, but in like knight armor. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Spawn has dreams of Terry fucking Wanda, and I'm kind of bored with that. Um, there's a there's a bum in the out al- the bum in the alley that has befriended Spawn is named Garib, and I'm wondering if that was named after Garib Seamus, who is the who was the editor in chief and owner co owner of Wizard Magazine. Wizard Magazine was one of the biggest comic book magazines through the 90s and the early 2000s. And it was canceled around 2006 or 7, I believe. But their biggest thing, and the biggest complaint a lot of people had about Wizard Magazine, is they only gave coverage to Image Comics. Um, they, you know, would cover DC and Marvel stuff too, but Image Comics was the big shit of the 90s. And Gary mm-hmm. Seamus was the publisher of Wizard Magazine. So I wonder if this bum is named after him. So. Yeah. <coughs> 
Um, Cogliastro spits more of his BS abuse, uh, sorry, his BS story, and you're just kind of like, <laughs> okay, you're not exactly very helping, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, do we know who does the music for the Spawn uh, animated series? Oh, I did not look that up. <laughs> okay, why don't you look that up real quick, um, and we'll take a quick break, and then come back with Spawn Episode 5. By the way, the... Uh, the counter of powers goes from ninety seventeen to eighty nine ninety three, and I don't understand why. Because so is, if Spawn even moves, does he use his powers? I mean, it only that should only be a thing if his powers are actually being used. It it should be, but we're to assume that sometime between episode four and episode five, he somehow used a portion of his power. So he went from ninety seventeen to eighty nine ninety three. Maybe he's trying to recuperate from something. I don't know. I don't know. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, play a couple of uh, spots, and then we'll be back with Spawn the Animated Series in just a moment. Hi, I'm Ali, and this is Rob. Howdy. And we're the hosts of Horror Never Sleeps, a new weekly horror movie retrospective podcast. We will be reviewing your favourite scary movies like Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween and Psycho. Also, we'll be covering classic gems like Maniac Cop, The Lost Boys, The Human Centipede. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, no. Oh, we'll see. First episode will be released mid-November. You can listen on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Until then, stay scared. Ooh. We won't be doing that. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're the hosts of a new true crime podcast called Yours and Murder. We put out a new episode every week. We switch between covering true crime cases together and analyzing true crimes in our mini-sodes. We take turns on the mini-sodes, focusing on our unique perspective. I have a degree in forensic science. And I have one in journalism. So we're able to go beyond Wikipedia and dive into the facts of the case. We look at the forensic evidence and the spin put on cases by the media. Check us out on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and like us on Facebook for an update on today in true crime history. As always, we are Yours in Murder. And we're back with the Dead TV podcast here on the Radio Horror Network, and we are going to jump into Spawn Episode 5. All right, uh, episode five, Souls in the Balance, originally aired on June 13th, 1997. A psycho grenade-toting preacher named Kane holds a mute boy hostage, threatening to blow up anyone who gets in his way. Spawn is indifferent at first, but is pressed into action when a cop intimidates one of the alley bums. A much better description this time. Yes, Absolutely. Um, the, the, uh, priest, uh, spawns hanging out at a church as he does, and priest blows up, a priest blows up a police car. Uh, the deaf child is in trouble, and the priest kills a police officer when he is blown up. Spawn, while this is all happening, just whines about Wanda some more. Yeah, you know, it just, uh, very quickly throughout this beginning of the episode, we've got four cops that... Uh, are coming up against this preacher, and this preacher is, like, using these grenades and uh, shoves one into the back of a cop's pants and just totally blows him up. Were you able to find who does the music for Spawn? Yes. 
Okay. Uh, Shirley Walker is the um, is credited as uh, the theme producer and has done twelve episodes of the series, and then she was replaced by uh, J. Peter Robinson, which did uh, six episodes. That, uh, so that would be series three. Shirley Walker is a um, longtime composer of animation, and uh, unfortunately, uh, she died in uh, 2006 at the age of 61 years old. Um, I believe they are using music that she wrote for Justice League Action, which is a current cartoon series, which she could not have mm-hmm. been part of, considering she died in 2006, and Justice League Action is a more recent show. But I think they probably use uh, bits of her Batman theme music, because she's best known as being the composer for the Batman and Superman animated series, as well as Justice League the animated series. Um, the Batman uh, Beyond cartoon series, Batman and uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, she's done a lot of Batman series. Oh, yeah. The, the new Batman Adventures, Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond. Yeah, she, um, so I think they Batman use a lot Mask of her... Batman of the Phantasm. I think she gets, uh, a lot of her stock music is used. Um, she was all, she's also worked on music for films like Dick Tracy, Darkman, and True Lies. But, again, most people in animation will know her as the composer of the Batman Superman animated series theme music and all of the music for the a lot of the music for the individual episodes. Um it's uh, uh she also worked on a favorite film of mine, uh Mystery Men. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Um <laughs> so anytime her animation probably pops up in things like The Grey Ghost or Justice League Action, uh which The Grey Ghost was a uh a, a hero from the 50s that Bruce Wayne idolized and used to watch the old serials with his father, Thomas Wayne. And that mm-hmm. would drive him one day, of course, to uh, base his Batman costume off the Grey Ghost's design. And in the episode, The Grey Ghost Returns, I, th- I think it was called, uh, Adam West voices the Grey Ghost in that episode. Oh, Adam West. I'm going to miss him. Um, but uh, definitely one of the best composers of the animation of today. And uh, she, again, would be uh, sorely missed as... Uh, her music heavily influenced the dark gothic uh, Batman animated series on Fox back in the 90s, which is, by the way, uh, if you if you uh, didn't catch it in our previous podcast episode, uh, the actor who plays Sam Twitch, uh, sorry, Sam Burke, uh, voices uh, Harvey Bullock on that show. Yeah. Who's currently yeah. being played by Donald Lowe in the television series Gotham right now. Yeah, her, her music must be so popular because since she died in 2006... Uh, she has, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six additional credits after the time of her death. So she's got Final Destination, What If, television series, Final Destination 5, The Great Ghost, Sweating Bullets, Efflorescence, and Justice League Action TV series. Mm. So, yeah, she's continuing to get, uh, I guess her family is continuing to get royalties off of this music that, you know, she's no longer around to compose for, but it's still being used. I guarantee nice. they definitely, uh, I, 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 I would hope, and I, I almost can guarantee, that <coughs> her family is getting the residual checks from the uh, release of her music on vinyl through Mondo Records recently. So, Nice. <coughs> Excuse me. And if they ever release Batman the Animated Series, 
and Superman the Animated Series on Blu-ray, I guarantee that would also happen. Um, getting back into the episode, Sam and Twitch are continuing to investigate the alley and how it's all tied to the alley. Terry continues his investigation into the weapon spawns stole, and Wanda learns um, that the senator uh, wants to make... Uh, Wanda learns the connection between uh, Jason Wynn and the senator, and uh, the senator wanting to become president, so they need to shut her up, so what do they do? They decide to go they, after her daughter. And kidnap Cheyenne, yes. Cheyenne, yeah. Um, you got to ask, what is Spawn's connection to the alley? And I can't remember if this is brought up on the show, so I'm going to jump ahead a bit in the comic books, but this is basically a gateway between heaven and hell. It's kind of like the Hellmouth in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and that's the mm-hmm. big reason why Spawn is drawn to this alley. Because let's face it, this dude has all this power. You're telling me he can't like knock over... I wouldn't say he's going to knock over a bank, but he can't steal money from Tony Twist or some mobster or something and go live in a high-rise apartment building? Well, you know, you, when you take a look at the logistics of doing that, for one, he's got no identification. That doesn't matter. When it, if, you, if you have millions, you do not need it. And, he, and you're telling me that as a former CIA operative, he couldn't find a way to get a fake ID. Well, he is wearing that uh, moving cloak that is not really going to come off of his body. True, but I'm sure as a former CIA operative, he would find a way to get a fake ID very easily. I'm, I'm just saying, though, you know, real estate is a lot of it, a lot of paperwork and finagling and people. And when you're depressed, I don't care who you are, but when you're depressed, you want to, you know, just be by yourself and, uh, you know, wallow in your own self-pity. And that's what Spawn does all the time. So it kind of makes sense to me that he's wallowing in filth because that's his own internal emotional state that's giving rise to his behavior. I think he would um, very easily... I think he. I, just one thing I never understood is that they did this with the character of Snake Eyes and GI Joe in the comic book several times. Is uh, they had him wear like a plastic mask over his uh, deformed face so he could get mm-hmm. around a little easier. I am surprised it's just something they never did in the comics or whatever, so he could like you know move around in the in the daytime or in the human life uh, sometimes when he had to. Are you talking about not having the spawn mask and just having a regular mask? Like having like a, f- a flesh mask to cover his deformed face, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. But he doesn't really seem the type that really wants to be seen in the daylight. No, but he does have to go out in the daylight sometimes, So, and that yeah. cloak and hat are just a little bit too conspicuous. But hey, if it works for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because that's how they get around sometimes, I'm sure I guess it will work for spawn. Yeah, but they are in the sewers, so they're still kind of out of sight for most of the time and then they pop out of the sewers to fight their crime. True, but uh, again, if if uh, you're reading and watching Turtles as long as I have, they dress up in those trench coats a lot. <laughs> yeah, they do. What they the hell do. was that? Looked like a big turtle wearing a trench coat. You're going to LaGuardia, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, <laughs> something silly like that. The police try to talk down the, per- the, the priest and then the police uh, stop... Uh, they snipe him. They snipe him. And it's actually the clown in disguise. Now, has it been yeah. the clown the whole time? Yes, yes. Uh, basically, the preacher is the violator the whole time. And he's doing this kind of, you know, kid hostage situation when and playing with the grenades to kind of taunt Billy, I think. And, you know, just 
sow some chaos in the area uh, and then try to tempt Billy into, um, I don't know, a camaraderie, I guess you'd call it. Mm. Because later in the episode, the Violator does actually meet up with Billy at his uh, ice cream truck. And while there's the connection is not direct, I'm thinking that it's a Violator's roundabout way of, of becoming kin with uh, Billy the Killer. Yeah, and he's the one who uh, pushes Billy to go after Cyan's. He didn't. He probably. I don't know if he was ever planning on it, but I don't. Uh, I just don't think he really even knew she existed uh, until uh, the clown pushes him to go kidnap her from yeah. Tony Twist, who has already kidnapped her, uh, which we learn yeah. in the next episode. Billy. Yeah, so, so Cyan is basically like a, a hot potato here, really. Yeah, uh, voiced by a much older actress, uh, but. Uh, a lot of times, women will be able to drop their voice a little lower in order to play like children characters, um, like the, you know, the woman who would voice uh, Bart Simpson or Charlie Brown mm-hmm. in later years. But uh, it, 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 episode five kind of pretty much leads right into episode six. Episode six uh, has that numbering thing. What do you have for the episode synopsis and the title? All right, uh, episode six, Endgame, originally aired on June twentieth, nineteen ninety seven. The season one finale of this adults-only animated series about a superhero who battles the forces of evil on Earth and in himself to discover the truth about his identity and fulfill his destiny. Okay, well, that's just useless. That's the (laughs) entire show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, a better synopsis is uh, child gets saved by Spawn. Has a choice to kill killer, does not... Does not kill killer, but we'll get there about what happens between uh, that and then what happens in the comics. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like how the series uh, season one ended uh, on this note because it does end with a happy ending where Cyan is saved by Spawn, and Spawn gives her the ring that he wore as Al. So no, yeah, he, that's the end of the show. Let's go back to the, the very end. beginning of it. Okay. By the way, the I'm actor. The the actor who plays Chapel the last few times, his name is Ruben Santiago Hudson, and he has quite the IMDb uh, listing credit. Uh, he has been in The Devil's Advocate, Mr. Brooks, American Gangster, The Quad, The Family, Public Morales, and uh, a lot of people might know him as Captain Roy Montgomery on Castle. Hmm. He was on Castle for the first uh, <coughs> excuse me three seasons of that show before he was unfortunately killed off. Oh wow, cool credits there yeah he's he has a very long uh imdb list uh have you ever worked with somebody like uh sam from sam and twitch who's good at their job but an absolute slob yes yes i have definitely worked with someone where like they were organized in with their work and everything was you know perfect in in their work and then you take a look at their home life and and personal stuff and then it's just like wow your life is a mess this is, this is disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Spawn having aired in the 1997 uh, year, what were you up to uh, in the uh, the month of May? By the way, so this this the six episodes take place uh, in the uh, early days of the summer. So it's uh, late May, early June. Uh, from May mm-hmm. to June of 1997, what were you up to in uh, the early summer of 1997, Mr. Zeneca? Oh, uh, let's see, 97... I was, what was I? Was I just out of high school? When did I graduate high school? 
96. Yeah. So, um, I would say I was probably struggling with, uh, one of my first jobs, (laughs) uh, food service. Oh, yay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I worked at Long John Silver's. Oh, God. Coming home smelling like fish grease and shame. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I, I was dirt poor. Like, I was completely dirt poor, so... It was great that I was working at a food restaurant because then I could take home what was left over at the end of the night because I worked last shift, and that was what was sustaining me and um, and my brother for a while. So uh, it was it was what I needed at the time. It, I was babysitting and and working at Long John Silver's, and it was just barely making ends meet on our minimal poultry needs that we had. You weren't the uh, world-renowned uh, BDSM queen of Pennsylvania quite yet, or the uh, no, or the uh, no, supermodel for uh, White Wolf, <laughs> or the uh, supermodel for White Wolf yet. No, that was when I moved to LA, and uh, that wasn't until I think I started getting into modeling about 1999. Did you um, have you ever encountered anyone like Billy P- Pink, uh, Billy Kincaid with his uh, very sleazy just Ugh, making your skin crawl, the way he talks and attitude. Yeah, he has this tone the way he talks, like, oh, it's a little ice cream, man. Yeah, and it is very creepy. I have met people with that type of voice, but not that type of look. So none. I haven't met anyone with that combination. But when you, yeah, I'll just tell you a little story here. Um, I was doing a shoot and the photographer had this assistant and I'm not going to name any names or whatnot, but the photographer had an assistant and the assistant was supposed to help me with my wardrobe and uh, props and things like that. But the assistant was, I don't know, had this aura and energy about him that was uh, just screaming, don't leave me alone with this person. Mm-hmm. It was towards the end of the shoot and the assistant uh, was putting something over my shoulder. I think it was a, a shirt or shawl or something like that. And he just wh- almost whispered into my ear, oh, that looks nice. And I'm like, oh, that just made my skin crawl. And I and I shuddered. And then uh, I was like, okay, um, I need a break. And I had to take a time out because that just creeped me the fuck out. Oh, that looks nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, in the comic books, um, by the way, I love the fact that uh, uh, I think it's Sam calls him a fat bastard. Um, and a year later, or two years later, we would have the fat bastard villain from the Austin Powers movies. Uh huh. Uh-huh. In the comic book, Billy is stabbed to death by Spawn with his own icicles. What's written above the wall above Billy's body? Do you know? Do you have that issue in front of you? Oh, I I, I left it upstairs. Okay. I read the entire first uh, trade paperback of Spawn, but I don't have it in front of me. It's like I think it's it's a play on the words "I scream, you scream, we all," but Billy screamed. You know, was a bad boy. Again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the comic book, Spawn does kill Billy Kincaid, and the show uh, he's talked out of it by what Cagliostro told him to you know to try and get him to to uh, stop doing. But then Billy is killed by the clown right afterwards. Yeah, just a shot in the head. Um, throughout the rest of the show, uh, Cyan will refer to Spawn as the sad man. And I think we will meet Wanda's, or Terry's, mother, 
who is a blind, little old blind woman. Kind of reminds me of Maz Katana in a way, but also reminds me Maz Katana is the little orange uh, alien from the, uh, the the Force Awakens. But she also reminds me of Mother Abigail from The Stand. I was just thinking that. So she's like the wise old sage who, despite her being blind, and that's her handicap, she sees more than possibly other people do. And she sees Al as an angel. I mean, Al comes to visit her and talk to her, and everyone, you know, she probably says, oh, Al comes, I talk to Al all the time. They're all like, okay, um, you're yeah. crazy. Yeah, but uh, she sees Al as an angel because, in, in a way, despite the fact of him being a hellspawn, he is technically like an angel because he's given carte blanche by you know, the forces, the powers to be, you know, to, to continue his mission, despite um, how he goes about doing it, he is working for uh, the side of good. In the long term, if you're, if you're thinking about it and, you know, not look, if you're looking at the outcome versus the methods, then yes. If you're looking at the methods versus the outcome, then it's completely evil what he's doing. I'm pretty good on vigilante justice, like the Punisher or Dexter Morgan, so I'm okay. Okay. I have a flexible moral code. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Throughout the rest of the show, Spawn will be referred to as the sad man. And uh, he will talk with Cyan here and there. And obviously uh, Wanda, you know, like kind of like seeks him out later on. In the comic books, Spawn saves Terry's life. And Wanda goes into the alley to find Spawn and ask him why. Of course, because we can't write women any other way, she is almost nearly, like, raped and killed in the alley. And Spawn, like, kills the two guys who try to do it. And then she bumbles through the alley and finds Spawn's prisoner, which happens to be this, like, psycho-cyborg guy that Spawn has, like, um, who's, uh, he's a... He's an amputee, so his legs are gone. They were replaced with, like, cyborg legs. So Spawn has him trussed up, like, crucified by his, uh, by his like, one remaining hand and his robotic hand. And, and Wanda finds that in the alley, and she meets Spawn. She doesn't know it's her husband. Eventually, she does learn that Spawn is Al. Long story short, uh, uh, Wanda's dead right now. She has been killed off. She went to hell, and Spawn had to go to hell to get her soul and bring it up to heaven. Okay. I didn't read the story about why she went to hell. I just know she went to hell, and then she, Spawn comes back to Earth and tells Terry that Wanda is now in heaven. And, uh, of course, Terry hates Spawn because of, like, Al's involvement. But um, there is a moment in the comic books that happens after Spawn saves uh, Terry's life. He is sent to hell, back to hell, because he's used up the rest of his powers. And he uses the last of his powers to cure Terry's cancer, which I think happens on the cartoon. Um, he escapes from hev hell with the help of the Savage Dragon, by the way, uh, comes back to Earth, and uh, Terry seeks him out, and Spawn reveals to him that who he really is, that he is Al Simmons, you know, th his former best friend, and they have a, uh, a tender embrace. And then Terry and Al actually team up together to take down Jason Wynn. That is awesome. But it's a really touching moment that they have a, like a big argument and Real you know time. like like you're you know why didn't you tell us you were alive and he's just like do you call this living and he rips the mask off and his face is even worse than it was before and yeah. uh, you know they have they have a big conversation and then they the issue ends with like Terry and ha and, and Al like hugging each other because they are they were they were really close friends and Al does not blame Terry anymore for taking Wanda because it's you know it's what he would have wanted. Yeah, I mean, when when he gets over his own self-pity over losing Wanda and being dead, I I mean, 
Al really understands that Wanda wanted a child, and it's a child that he couldn't give her, and Terry could, and it's his best friend, and if he loves Wanda and if he loves Terry, then they he should be happy seeing them happy together. And that's something he works up to as the series continues. Right. We have a very heartwarming send-off as, you know, Cyan gives her mother the ring. Of course, she's probably really curious about who it is. Now, if Terry is, like, this big shot in the CIA, you think it wouldn't be very hard to, like, maybe dig up his best friend's body to find out if Al's still alive and then notice the body's been massacred, you know, desecrated by being ripped apart and such. True, true. It it wouldn't be that difficult to do, and just uh, since he Spawn already dug up his own grave, it's probably the dirt is fresh, and you know just looking at the grave site alone will say like, okay, well this dirt has been turned up before, so probably that's where the ring came from. Got to keep better uh, control of your kid there, Terry. Digging around in graveyards, <laughs> gross. <laughs> She's gonna have some serious psychological problems later on. Um, and that's pretty much how the episode ends. We get, uh, you know, Sam and Twitch doing their detective work stuff in a big chase through the city, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge car chase and, uh, you know, bullets flying, high-speed car chase, trying to get to Billy and... They're trying to get to Billy. You know, they, 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 yeah, they, they're they, trying, they, to, they're <clears> trying <throat> to get to Billy. Yeah, they don't quite know... Other than Sam and Twitch, I don't think anyone else besides Wanda has the connection that uh, Billy Kincaid is the uh, illegitimate son of this uh, senator. <clears throat> no, no. And uh, the shrine that he has in his house with the candles and the picture of his father, very creepy. Uh, and then in the in the battle between Spawn and Billy, you know, the house basically burns down. So all of that evidence is is, you know, cleared away. Why would why would anyone have a picture of a senator with shrine candles and and mementos dedicated to it unless you are really really twisted? Well, he is twisted because he's a killer. He's a child killer, yeah. Not just yeah. any killer. He's a child killer. Um, Billy Kincaid's whole thing kind of reminds me of a um, there. If if anyone listening has ever read Batman Earth One Volume One. There is a serial killer in that called the Happy Birthday Killer, and he's a basically a child killer that Batman hunts down in his very first case in this version of the Batman story. Not the Joker, not like Harley Quinn or Two Face or Riddler or anyone like that. It's this guy called the the, the Birthday Boy, and he has like this disgusting stack of like children's uh, underwear and clothes piled up in a couple different piles. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, if you've ever seen Watchmen, Rorschach uh, finds the uh, the underwear of the children that he's been trying to find. Yeah. And then, uh, like, um, f- uh, he kills the guy's dogs because after the man was done with the children, he would feed them to the dogs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think child killers like this are just the most detestable of people. It's such a shock to the system when you see... In the um, uh, public space, like the the media consumption that we have, when you have a child being killed, so that you have these uh, mementos to relay the information without being so graphic with it. I, so, I, like the piles of underwear and whatnot. As far as I'm aware, we haven't had a uh, a child killer. Um 
that's not connected to a mass shooting, uh, but a child serial killer uh, demented, you know, like this in, in quite some time that I'm aware of. Um, but I, I haven't looked, and I have no interest in, in looking the- unless it happens in my area. Um, so if there is one, you can leave one in the comment section below about where and when it has happened or whatever, and we can, uh, you know, give it as its own acknowledgement. Well, but uh, in New England, I, no. I will tell you that uh, child trafficking and uh, crimes of this sort are usually underreported because these children can disappear without a trace, and they just become missing persons, and so the bodies aren't actually found too too often. But we know it does happen, and that the the violence of child trafficking and uh, sex trafficking falls greatly um, into the into the gray areas of of criminal prosecution, which mm-hmm. is a shame. Yeah, very detestable type of uh, crime, worse than uh, many others that I can think of. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so I have the body count for our three episodes. Okay. On uh, number four, we have uh, four definite kills, maybe five. You know, it's kind of ambiguous there on one of those. Episode five, we had six deaths. And episode six, we had six deaths. So quite a, a high body count for this back end of the, series, of the season. We'll be back in two weeks with season two, uh, episodes one, two, and three of Spawn the Animated Series. In the meantime, you can yeah. find us on the Dead TV Podcast Facebook page and at our individual Twitters, Christy SAV. My uh, Twitter is at Elegantly Kinky. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, and come back in two weeks. Otherwise, check us out on Facebook. All right. Thank you.